for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with James Freeman and the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report once again, the show that puts the world's leading scientists, doctors, politicians and expert commentators right at the heart of today's news talk and our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. My name is James Freeman and on today's Freeman Report we'll be discussing the terrible crimes that have been taking place in cities up and down the UK. Specifically, the rape, sexual exploitation and abuse of young girls by gangs of grown men, mainly from the Pakistani community. Last week, I had Tommy Robinson on the show, um, who spoke about how things have been going on since when he was growing up. So a long time it's been actually going on now. We also spoke about how tens of thousands of young girls have now been affected that are mostly children. Now, I've spoken to many people, and I think they agree with me, that for every child that has come forward, I've heard estimates as many as four or five uh, maybe haven't come forward because of all the issues to do with coming forward and also the threats for them and their family. So we're talking tens and tens of thousands um, that have been affected by this. Um, Tommy has produced an ongoing series called The Rape of Britain and is holding an event in Telford this Saturday to get people out onto the streets to protest about what is continuing to happen, believe it or not, and importantly, the cover-ups that are taking place by the establishment. Now, my first guest today um, has announced his intention to run for Parliament in the UK. He's extremely outspoken um, against those who've been covering up these crimes in the greater Manchester area. And going by some of his comments on X, I don't think he's a fan of the Labour Mayor of Greater Manchester, Andy Burnham, the Labour Party in general, or the Greater Manchester Police. And that's putting it mildly. Um, in one of his posts on X, he says he has done much work to expose the cover-ups of the crimes that have been committed. And in spite of many people handing lots of important information to the Greater Manchester Police. Nothing is ever done. So my first guest is prospective parliamentary candidate for Oldham, West and Royton, Raja Mia. Now, if you were up early enough this morning to listen to The Breakfast Show with Sonia Poulton at 7am, you will have seen the interview with Maggie Oliver. Um, Maggie is a former Greater Manchester Police detective who quit her job in disgust at what was going on. She then went on to start campaigning against child sex abuse. Now, Maggie spoke about how police investigations were and are under-resourced and that victims' testimonies were not believed in spite of a wealth of evidence being passed to the police. If you listen to the interview with Maggie this morning, you will also be aware that the crimes and failures by the Greater Manchester Police to investigate and the deliberate, deliberate cover-ups are still going on today. So, you heard it from Tommy Robinson last week on this show and from former detective Maggie Oliver on The, um, the Breakfast Show with Sonia Poulton this morning. So... What will my next guest have to say? What cover-ups is he aware of, both within the police and the council and the social services? 
He's certainly been very vocal on X, and so I expect he will have a lot to say. So stay tuned for that discussion after today's breaking news story with Gemma in just a moment. But I've got two guests today. So my second guest is no stranger to TNT. Um, he's been giving daily updates from Davos over the past week. Callum Smiles is an independent journalist who has worked with Rebel News in the past. I'm told that he likes to dress up, um, but not in that way. He likes to go undercover. And his claim to fame is being the only freedom-orientated journalist to make Greta Thunberg laugh. <laughs> I bet that's a bit of a challenge. Um, I'll be asking Callum for a sum up of his week at Davos, what it's like to be there as a journalist and about a video that he's published over the weekend that's gone viral on X, shining a light on the expensive Swiss properties being bought by Ukrainian politicians. You know, the type of properties that MPs salary definitely does not cover. In terms of the show tomorrow, it is very much a case of hoping that this will be third time lucky. Dr Shiva was originally due to appear at the start of January and we've had two unsuccessful attempts so far. So let's hope this is a case of third time lucky. Um, he's given me his assurances that he will be here tomorrow with me um, on the Freeman Report. Um, he is an independent candidate in the US presidential elections. And in a recent post on X, he said every presidential candidate except me sucks Zionist cock. Um, so it's no secret that he's very um, critical of Israel, which is an interesting position in itself to take in the US, given how powerful the Jewish lobby is there and also um, how prevalent the Jewish vote is in the US. He claims to be the inventor of email and was featured on the pay front page of Time magazine for that claim. Although this claim is not without controversy, as some say it was Ray Tomlinson. But regardless um, of what the, the truth is there, he is a very interesting character indeed. He's got four degrees from MIT, including a PhD in biological engineering. Um, I came across Dr. Shiva when he jumped into the debate about the leaked New Zealand government jab data after he got a copy of the data from the whistleblower himself. Dr. Shiva then went on to hold a large um, X Spaces event with Kim.com where he laid out his case on why Steve Kirsch was wrong in concluding that the data was the smoking gun showing that the jabs have killed tens of thousands in the country. Now, I've been speaking with Steve Kirsch over the weekend, and he is still adamant that his analysis show that the vaccines are killing people in the country. Now, without having seen the actual raw data myself and the fact that I'm not an expert in health and population statistics, it is difficult for me to assess what he is saying because Steve Kirsch's analysis is very detailed and quite lengthy. However, I do have a list of questions for Dr. Shiva, and Steve has said that he's happy to follow up and come on the show. Um, so let's see what Dr. Shiva has to say tomorrow. If you want to get in touch, as always, email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And to join in the conversation, get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for today's News Talk TNT. 
Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society and I am fed up with it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Happy Monday, Gemma. How are you today? Happy Monday. Yes, very good. Thank you, James. Interesting editorial there because uh, there's so much to that story of the, of the the grooming gangs and all of that stuff that's been happening up and down the country. And today, of course, another whistleblower has come forward uh, who used to work for Greater Manchester Police saying actually nothing's changed within that force. She's been very brave. She's come out public. Well, not quite publicly. She's using a pseudonym, but she came out publicly this morning uh, saying that, um, you know, she's been, she was tasked with working in child protection in 2022 and she saw evidence while she was working there that showed that you know investigations hadn't been carried out properly into investigations into paedophile rings child abuse was going unnoticed cases were being closed without proper investigation so you know nothing really has changed since the sterling work that maggie oliver did all those years ago to help bring the rochdale grooming gangs to light so it's a really massively important issue and you know well done for highlighting it yeah and you know i think the scale of this actually We've obviously just just had the post office scandal. Um, there is also the ongoing blood scandal and the yet to emerge mRNA scandal. Um, this one is huge. I mean, this one really, I think, is you know, in terms of scale, um, we're talking um, bigger than the post office, bigger than the blood scandal. I think, um, you know, I think estimates are putting around twenty thousand girls have been affected. But as lots of people are telling me. For every girl that comes forward, there's probably four or five that don't. So we're talking about huge numbers. And, you know, there's girls that have actually taken their own life. I think Tommy was saying that there's five girls now that are now dead. I think it was in Telford um, because they're not getting as well as their cases not being investigated properly, their claims and allegations not being taken seriously. Um, they are then left to the mercy of these gangs. And of course, after have to speaking to the police, that's a horrible position to leave them and their families in. So, yeah, absolute huge scandal. And I'm really, um, well, I'm not looking forward to hearing um, the evidence today. But, um, you know, we need to talk about this, don't we, Gemma? Right. Anyway, um, what, what story have you got for me today, Gemma? What breaking story? I just think it's important to mention as well. It's not just girls. There are there are boys. You know, it's not that that makes it. You know, just to be yeah. clear. You know, paedophile rings are paedophile rings, and and it does affect young young boys as well as girls. Unfortunately, horrendous. I know. Um, well, this is an interesting one. So, in the last half an hour. Uh, the UK Prime Minister at 10 Downing Street, has, uh, at 10 Downing Street on his Twitter X account, has uh, put a cryptic tweet which has got everybody speculating. So uh, Fishy Rishi at 10 Downing Street has uh, said, stay tuned, something exciting is coming. Now it's generated a flurry of responses in the last half an hour. Um, and I'll just read a few of them out before we discuss what we think this might be. So uh, one of the responses is, guess what? You found all the COVID WhatsApp messages. Um, there's lots of calls on there saying, oh, guess what? You're resigning. You're finally going. You're resigning. There's hundreds and hundreds of those. Um, but this is an interesting one. Oh, what? More control and fear mongering are on the way. Uh, and quite a few people saying, oh, what, what is it? Is it World War Three? Uh, the arrest of Matt Hancock? <laughs> Some people are saying... Is it the Reform Party waiting in the wings? Uh, quite a few people are saying, what is it? Is Boris back? Um, somebody has said, how old are you, mate? This account looks like it's been run by a 10-year-old. Um, another response we've had to this, stay tuned, something exciting is coming. Someone has said, really? What is it? All Conservative MPs are moving to Rwanda. Uh, and a few people have said, I'm not interested unless it's mass deportations, which does show how immigration is just such a massive, massive issue. Somebody's made a joke of it as well, saying, uh, 
Community notes. No one has found this announcement exciting, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, <laughs> <Very good. laughs> uh, and someone else has said, what is it? Has Rishi been cast to play Will in the theatre production of The Inbetweeners? Which if you watch that programme, you will know what that means. Um, someone else has said, what is it that you're going to announce that we're sending billions to offshore accounts instead of funding the NHS? That's a point well made. Um, and my personal favourite, uh, what's this announcement? Are Tony Blair and Alistair Campbell finally being arrested for war crimes. Well, we can only hope on that one, can't we? But I mean, the most speculation that's going along with this tweet is, of course, the fact that everyone thinks he's going to call a general election. And with your former, you know, you used to be a former member of the European Parliament. I think you you and I are probably on the same page with this. It does sound like there's going to be an election date announced off the back of this tweet today. And of course, you know, we'll have a feverish few months or maybe possibly a year. I don't think it'll be a year of electioneering before we see if our political landscape is changed Possibly forever, because a lot of people have been talked about the, the landslide Labour victory that they think is on the way. And it could spell the demise for the Conservative Party. That's been some commentary in, in some quarters. I mean, it could cease to exist as a, as, a, as a really credible political force. If you're into politics and you think that it's credible, personally, myself, I don't go down that road. We talked about this before. But uh, yeah, interesting times ahead. I do think it's a general election call. I'm sure you'll have your own thoughts on this but yeah some funny responses on there uh this morning here in the uk uh i do like that one about um yeah tony blair and alistair campbell finally being arrested for war crimes i i, I do hope that day does come <laughs> yeah me too and lots of people up and down the country um the first thing to say about this is you know who is running his account um you know over the past few weeks we've seen various um posts from fishy rishi um in in that in that light as well because you know the community notes i think I mean, i've lost count how many community notes um posts that he's actually got on his posts now for claiming things that are not true um and this i just i mean you know like i think like you said um one of the comments said you know who is running your account is this some some teenager school experience um lucky um yeah, this is ridiculous. And if it is the general election, um, the first question I've got is I wonder how excited the Conservative MPs are. I bet they're absolutely dreading it, to be honest with you, because it is going to be, according to the polls, um, a total wipeout. And I think that many, many, even supporters of the Conservative Party that want them to pull their act together um, want them to have a kick in. Um, they really do. And I think, you know, the old sort of protection for the Conservatives, which is, look, if you vote for anyone apart from us, then you're letting Labour in. Well, I think that doesn't really work that much more anymore, because although I'm sure Labour will be worse, what other option do we have? We're not going to vote for them again um, after all the things that they've done. Um, they are an absolute waste of space. They're corrupt. Um, the shenanigans that have been going on, all these dirty deals around the PPE, um, you know, the, the the money printing, wasting our money, sending inflation, skyrocketing, all of this money that's been spent to Ukraine. There's no way um, the vast majority of people are going to vote for the Conservatives. And if we get a Labour government, then so be it. How can it be any worse? Um, and I think the political landscape of the future is one many want to see anyway, is where the Conservatives do get a proper kick in that is existential, you know, an existential threat to them, 
which actually makes them buck their ideas up and get off this net zero nonsense, um, this woke agenda, and actually get back to conservative politics because they are not conservatives in any way, shape or form at the moment. And obviously there's talk in the future of maybe even, you know, Nigel Farage joining the party and leading them. Who knows? I don't know. Um, I haven't really thought about whether that's a very appealing um, proposition or not, but they do need to um, have, a, I think, a proper... Um, kick in is the only word I can describe it with, really. So they can sort themselves out. Um, personally, I'd like to see proportional representation and other political parties coming in. But we do have the first past the post system. Um, it would take a long time to change that. Ideally, that's the way forward. But whilst we've still got these, this system of, um, of voting, um, it is always going to be between two parties, really. Um, and so we do need this to happen to the Conservatives so that we get back on track. I know where we can affect change, James. How? Oh. Let's form a TNT party. I reckon we get loads of votes. I really do. <laughs> I really do. We've got the army. We've got the TNT Global Army. They can all cast their postal votes from whatever country in the world they're listening to us. From whatever country in the world you are listening to us, we're going to form a political party and we're going to storm the gates of Westminster. There we go. How's that for a Monday? Well, I'm not sure that a broadcaster would necessarily um, start a political party, but... Um, I'm still considering my position on whether I should be um, throwing my hat into the ring. Um, I'm under no illusions here in Wales. Um, you know, even in normal times, it is very much a red um, country. Majority of voters who vote for a donkey, if you put a red rosette on it, that's the joke around the valleys here. Um, so I'm not sure I've really got much of a chance, but I'm still thinking about doing it. Um, because I think it's important that we do get independence um, and others standing to get the message out to the public that things are not right. But I haven't decided yet. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's other presenters as well. Darren has obviously stood, um, Dee Denslow has stood in elections in the past. So we might have a few of us actually standing in that general election. Who knows? <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you very much, Gemma, again, for, for a great story to kick the week off. Um, to the rest of you, don't go anywhere, because after this short break, we're going to be talking about this incredibly important um, topic of rape gangs. There's no other way to put it. Up and down the UK, um, incredibly terrible stories coming um, that I'm hearing on a daily basis at the moment. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT. TNT's Misty Winston. She says, how is anyone still talking about October 7th? What Israel has done since October 7th is many times worse than what happened on that day by any conceivable metric. The only way to feel otherwise is to believe Israeli lives are worth many times more than Palestinian lives. How is Israeli suffering still being centered over vastly less significant acts of violence three months ago, while ex exponentially worse violence and suffering is being inflicted by Israelis right this very moment? If your nation is attacked and you respond to that attack by immediately murdering thousands of children with incredible savagery, then you forfeit any right to expect anyone to give a shit that your nation was attacked. Israel responded to the Hamas attack by doing something much, much worse than anything Hamas has ever done, and in doing so, completely delegitimizing itself as a state and completely validating everything the Palestinian resistance has been saying about the state of Israel since day one. Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT. The Irish government is proposing a law known as the Hate Speech Bill that threatens free speech. This law could have dire consequences for our democracy. Square 11 
next week, next month, next month, and then on to the next week. This law will have uncertain effects on artistic and musical expression. It could stifle the activity of public campaigning on political and civil issues and also curtail speech relating to topics about religion, ethnicity, sex and gender. You could even be jailed for possessing documents, cartoons or memes on your devices, even if you never read them or intended on sharing them. Mere possession could make you a criminal under this law. Help stop this law. Visit www freespeechireland.ie forward slash take action to bin the hate speech bill. The human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. Right now, as I said before the break, we are once again talking about the terrible crimes that we're seeing up and down the UK with these grooming gangs. Um, but I'm delighted um, to be welcoming my next guest. Um, I spoke with him on the phone this morning. He's incredibly credible in terms of his background, and he's been um, looking into this and investigating what's been going on for some time and trying to raise the alarm bell. Um, he is prospective parliamentary candidate um, Raja Mia. Um, hello, Raja. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me, James. Pleasure. No, thank you for coming on the show to talk about this incredibly important topic. Um, firstly, Raja, um, I do think your your background's important. I spoke to you this morning um, because it does give you a lot of credibility in terms of talking about the topic we're going to talk about. So I wonder if you wouldn't mind just starting by introducing yourself and just giving us a bit of a flavour of your background. Absolutely. I was uh, raised in Oldham. As a child, my parents moved us to Oldham uh, from from a from a baby all the way up to my 20s i i grew up here lived here i made friends across all of our communities and i i'm a product of i'd like just to think i'm a product of a successful multicultural uh, upbringing my background in terms of professionally 25 years of public service james uh, worked with multiple prime ministers multiple secretaries of state what you guys know as community cohesion. I sat on the government task force as far back as 2003. In 1997, I started speaking out about the challenges of multiculturalism in this country, the rise of uh, what we now know as Islamist extremism. Four years before 9-11, I was warning of all of those sorts of things. Went on to design a whole host of... Uh, counter-terrorism strategies for this country, worked across the world on behalf of this country, stood on platforms with secretaries of state, uh, world leaders, uh, northern working class lad who, as a consequence of his, of his, of, of, of his upbringing, I would say, James, uh, found himself advising governments across the world. Fantastic. So, yes, like I said, a very, very credible background there, Raja. Um, you are Bangladeshi, aren't you? Um, so you... Um, you come from that kind of community that we're going to talk about um, today, or the Pakistani um, community. Um, can I first of all ask, when when did you first become aware of this issue? Was it in a professional capacity or was it actually just from a personal capacity? A, a combination, I think, I think, James. Uh, when we were younger, 
we would see some of this going on around us. And I'll be honest with you, it was it to watch it from a distance. We all, you know, those of us who weren't into that world, would just stay completely away from it. You know, the the late, you know, they talk about the nighttime economy, don't they? I mean, that's the that's the polite way of of, of making reference to some of this. And in our teenage years, in our twenties, we'd all, you know, my friends and I would look at it and think, what on earth is this? You know, horribleness, yeah. And we just presumed the police and the authorities would have a have a grip on it. I remember in my early twenties, my my mother moved into a house with a children's home behind it, James. And I right. was flabbergasted at the taxi drivers parking up, and uh, I reported it. Nothing happened. But in my twenties, just as a member of the public, I reported it, and nothing happened. Yeah, so when did you actually then start speaking out? Because obviously you're very vocal on X. Um, Absolutely. Back, back complete, back, it was a complete yeah, so accident. Th accident. I, I came back into, I mean, I, I worked all over the world. I came back. My mother was taken ill. She passed recently. Uh, she, she was taken Ill, Ill with cancer about five years ago. And I came back to my town. I came back to a working class town. And almost immediately, James, a mother contacted me. A mother contacted me from... The, whose children go to the local mosque, the mosque that I, my mother's funeral rites were, were read at, you know, a few, a few months ago. And the mother was appalled that the chairman of the mosque was a convicted sex offender and she notified the authorities and the authorities refused to investigate. And as someone with experience in this and understanding how local government operate, James, I, I thought, I didn't believe her. And I, I said, let me let me get in touch with the authorities. Let me get in touch with the local authority designated officer. Let me get in touch with the police. And all hell broke loose. And of course, it turned out he was a convicted sex offender. They protected him. And the reason, he, he, in my opinion, why he was protected was when we start to scratch the surface, the mosque was heavily linked with the Labour Party, provided you know a platform for the MP and a whole host of uh, councillors. And this particular chairman was a former Labour Party candidate in the local elections. So I campaigned to remove him. I did campaign to remove him. I made a lot of enemies campaigning to remove him because in the community I come from, these sorts of things are taboo subjects and they're meant to be hidden. But of course, what I did, first of all, James, was I went to the people who ran the mosque hoping that some common sense would kick in and they'd get rid of him. And they wouldn't do because of how powerful he was. So I... I shamed him publicly, and as a consequence of shaming him publicly and and demonstrating that, you know, there are people from my community who will not put up with this any more than any, any other community, what then happened was that a former Oldham councillor, a man called Warren Bates, contacted me. And I remember meeting him that first day, James. It was the first day my daughter started school, and I went to his house, and he put in front of me a dossier you know, a dossier of, of, of emails of a, what, what's now transpired to be a massive cover-up into the gang rape of working-class white girls in this town, and he begged me to help. He said, will you help? And I looked at it, and I just dropped my daughter off at school the first day in reception, and I looked at it and thought, how can I not help? This is my town. These are my children. How can I not help? Yeah, fantastic. And, and good on you for doing this as well. Um, we've got to go to the news headlines now, Raja, but don't don't go anywhere. Stay where you are. And um, the first question I want to ask, actually, after when we come back is 
I'm, I'm sure that you must have had threats. Um, so I'd like to hear about that before we actually then talk about some of the cover-ups themselves. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman, on TNT. TNT Radio News. What the f***? Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Ukraine has reportedly used weapons supplied by NATO to bomb civilians at a busy market in Russia's Donetsk People's Republic. Donald Trump's congratulated his former rival, Ron DeSantis, after he pulled the pin on his presidential campaign. The US could soon declare war against the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen, and the death toll from Israel's brutal bombardment of Gaza has surpassed 25,000. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Now, Raja, thank you um, again for coming on the show today and thank you for speaking out. Um, there aren't many people um, speaking out and it's really important that people do. Um, the first question I've got for you then is, have you actually had threats, um, you know, from from the Pakistani community and the wider Oldham um, community for speaking out? Absolutely. First, the uh, first time I realised the, the mess I've got myself in was I was at a, a wedding in the area where I grew up, sat on a table with lads who I grew up. It was my friend's niece who'd got married. Uh, I was leaving on my own. I was surrounded by a mob. And if it hadn't been for the football lads who had grown up with coming and, and intervening, I would have been, I would have took a severe beating. What next happened was the now leader of Oldham Council, and these are a matter of facts, this, there's no ambiguity here, uh, puts love hearts on a post, on a social media post, from a man who basically offered Maya to kill me. The yeah, I did see that post, and, and obviously, you know, yeah. the, reading between the lines there, he doesn't actually obviously say that, that, that you know, it's a threat he's, to kill. He, he, but, he says know. he'll never, I'll never vote again. I'll never vote again. So, I mean, the, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, okay, I'll leave it to you to decide what, what it means by someone never voting again, you know, as, a, as an adult. Yeah. Okay. No, there's yeah. definitely yeah. a, there's definitely a, a severe a threat. threat and it's, there's a threat there, isn't it? Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. I read the tweet this morning. Um, the other thing yeah. to say about, you know, is is um, you know, a response from the leader of the council in Oldham of Love Hearts to that is is quite disgraceful. I, I think, you know, there should be an investigation um within the council. It's an absolute disgrace that we've got people in positions of power like that that are communicating in that way publicly. Yes. Um, that should raise yes. the alarm bells in itself. Yeah. James, it gets worse. He's a uh... Her, the, and this is again a matter of public record, it's been reported in the mainstream media. Uh, she has a connection with a man called, uh, we call Irish Jimmy. He was convicted as the getaway driver of the cop killer Dale Cregan. He has been convicted in a court of law twice now. The first time he was convicted was for having me followed home. 
Yeah. Do you know what? This doesn't surprise me, though. I've been involved in elections um, with the Labour Party where their head of the campaign um, had actually been convicted for election fraud. Um, so, you know, yeah. this it it should it should shock me, but it, it, it doesn't, Roger. Right. OK, let's dive in, Roger. Tell me um, about some of the worst um, instances of these cover ups that are going on both in the police and the council and the social services. The first time I... Uh, I, at the time, I was a member of the Labour Party. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, was, I, I got kicked out of the Labour Party and I've been arrested three times, I think at least, by the police uh, on malicious charges, all collapsing, collapsed either in court or afterwards. Uh, what I was very clear from the outset was that th this is political. It's a political cover-up and the politicians and those in positions of power in the council, the policy officers, need to be held to account. So I was challenging them. I forced Andy Burnham to launch this assurance review into Oldham. In the first instance, it was just in Manchester and, Ro and Rochdale. The Rochdale report came out last week. Maggie Oliver was very clear in her statement la uh, last Monday in, on the Rochdale report, where she, you know, she didn't mince her words, she was clear. The review into Oldham is still a cover-up. And the review into Oldham is still a cover-up because in Oldham, what we've done is very different. What we've done is we've looked at it and we said, okay, why is this being covered up? It's not whether it's true or not. We know it's true. We've seen it firsthand in the town. We know it's true. There are, you know, there are many, many survivors. So that whether it's true or not is, is, is not the issue. Whether it's uh, Shabir Ahmed, the ringleader of the Rochdale Grooming Gang, was actually from Oldham. He was an employee of Oldham Council. He was a senior member of the Labour Party in Oldham. We exposed all of that. He had access to children whilst he was working for Oldham Council. Nine times, James, nine times they either let him go or ignored, you know, didn't follow the evidence. Nine times, and we forced that out of Andy Burnham's team. Now, why is no one, why is no one being pursued as to why we let him go nine times? Do you think, um, Raja, because um, it does sort of go up the, um, the tree of the establishment and ends up in the political sphere, doesn't it? Do you think that this, the reasons, that question you're asking, you know, it's not about whether the cover-ups are happening, but why they're happening. Do you think this is um, a political party, the Labour Party, actually protecting their own reputation? Because, of course, this is going on in largely areas um, with that have large support um, for the Labour Party itself, doesn't it? I 100% believe that. Warren Bates, the dossier of emails that were handed over to me, Clearly evidences the MP, now MP, who was at the time leader of the council, a man called Jim McMahon in Keir Starmer's shadow cabinet, directly involved in trying to keep this information out of the public sphere. They knew that our children in broad daylight were being dragged off the streets into Sishabaz. They knew our children were being gang raped and passed around. And they, with the BBC, James, the evidence is explicitly clear. With the BBC, they kept this information from us. Now, I am a parent. I have a nine-year-old daughter. I would want to know if grooming gangs are operating near my daughter's school. We then went on to speak to victim survivors, James. I used 20 years' worth of experience, applied it in this field for five years relentlessly. Children from schools at the school gates were being picked up again and they kept it hidden it's outrageous what has happened is outrageous and it goes back to the same place every time it goes back to the same place 
I don't want a conversation with anyone about whether or not these children were groomed and gang raped and the horrific things that happened. We know that's true. There's no one left that can deny that. There's no one left that can deny the demographics of the perpetrators and that these are racially motivated crimes. I challenge anyone to come and say to me these were not racially motivated crimes because I will evidence that they were racially motivated crimes. What I want to focus on is why were they covered up? Why were these men protected? Do you think, Raja, that, um, I, I mean, I think that statement I made before is correct, that um, this is largely going on in um, areas that, where we've got um, a large amount of support for the Labour Party. But are, you know, am I being a little bit unfair? Are there areas actually where we've got Conservative councils and um, and MPs as well, where it's also going on? My, my experience of these types of crimes in this way and covered up the way they have is exclusive Labour Party areas where the individuals involved and the community, you know, the network involved are provide the Labour Party. I make reference, I describe it as a block vote. They provide the Labour Party with a block vote and yeah. in return yeah. the Labour Party politicians who benefit from that exchange not only look the other way, it's one thing looking the other way, but it's something else entirely actively covering up for these crimes and killing investigations. And I believe off the evidence of Shabir Ahmed and the nine times they failed to prosecute him or follow the evidence, but he was protected. And I would bet, wager everything I own, a public inquiry will confirm that these men were protected. Roger, we're going to have to get you back on the Freeman Report as all of this carries on, because, you know, I'm going to be covering this um, in the weeks um, and months ahead. Um but um, we've got a couple of minutes left, so I'd like to talk about your parliamentary, um, prospective parliamentary campaign. Obviously, you're standing in um, Oldham West and Royton. What are you pledging to voters there as part of your campaign? I'm not a politician, first of all. I'm forced into this position. If, if, if this went away tomorrow, I would go and work in the local Aldi or something and stack shelves. You know, I've, I've done my bit, is how I feel, James. I'm forced into this position because our children are still being groomed. Our children are still being raped. This cover-up continues. My pledge is simple. The people of Oldham will get a public inquiry, will campaign for that public inquiry, and we will take back, we'll expose all of this, the block vote cover-up, the postal vote fraud. What is happening in Oldham? If we don't fix it now, James, we will lose our country. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. exaggerating. If we, don't if we don't make a stand now, we will lose everything we hold dear. Yeah, and just finally, um, I just remembered um, when we were talking this morning. I think this is really important what you're what we discussed this morning, um, because you know when I was with um, Tommy, um, I, I was on the show last week, and he was saying that you know in all of his time of looking at this, he's not seen any of the community itself standing up, acknowledging the fact that there's this problem and speaking out. Obviously, you are speaking out, but I did discuss with you, didn't I, this morning on maybe why people are not because i think you said that actually there's people in the community that are disgusted about what's going on but they feel afraid of actually speaking out because these gangs are violent it's not it, all of that is true james but it's you know so there is that fear of what the repercussions these communities are controlled i i describe them as cartels but essentially what these communities are controlled by individuals with links to organized crime. There's no ambiguity here. You know, yeah. I can draw time after time a correlation between the politicians and organized crime from the communities I come from. 
you know, in terms of family members, extended families, supporters, and so on. But the other thing is, and one of the reasons why I am speaking out, is this has been framed, it's been manipulated in such a way by a range of individuals. You know, I'm not pointing towards Tommy Robinson only, but a range of higher, more powerful individuals that somehow this is an attack, you know, speaking out against the grooming and gang rape of working class white girls is somehow racist. I mean, that's how, that's what it's become. I have been accused yeah. multiple times. I'm a decorated anti-racist. I was awarded an MBE when I was 30 years old for safeguarding, you know, protecting our country. These people have portrayed me as a far right racist, you know? So it's been yeah. framed that way. And we need to move this debate somewhere else about child safety and we need to move it to a place about safeguarding the very values that this country is built on. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't say a truer word, Raja. Thank you so much for appearing on the Freeman Report. Like I said, let's stay in touch. I'd like to get you back on and we'll try and fix that that video um, technical issue that we had there as well. Um, Raja, Mia, ladies and gentlemen. Right. OK, we're going to take a quick break now and... Thank you, Roger. When we come back, I'll have Callum Smiles, who's going to give us an update um, what's been going on in Davos over the last week. But also he's going to speak specifically about these very expensive Swiss properties that it appears um, Ukrainian politicians are buying up and um, the kind of properties that you cannot cover on an MP's wage. Um, so stay tuned with me, James Freeman, to hear all about that in a moment on TNT. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. Even the mighty might not see it coming. It's pre-diabetes and it captures one in three adults. But you can escape. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org. You're with James Freeman and the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right then, my next guest is an independent um, journalist. He used to work for Rebel News. Um, it is the first time that he's been on the Freeman Report. Um, a big hello to Callum Smiles. How are you doing? I'm very well, James. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. We've just had a conversation, haven't we, during the break about um, you were saying it's really warm back here in the UK. And I said it hasn't. Um, but of course, you've been out in Davos um, for the last week, where I'm sure it's been a lot colder than here. I think you mentioned minus 17. Um, first, I guess my first question is, um, you know, Davos, we all know now about this goes on every year. It went on for years without much attention, but it does get a lot of attention these days. 
what is it like to go out there as a i guess a lonely um mortal human being with all of these so-called you know um, powerful people out there um what's it like to be out there um as a journalist well as an independent it's uh, it's a lot harder than it was last year having to do all that admin work myself but um i think so last year uh, there was less novelty this year because obviously it's my second time. But I remember the first time I went there, it was almost, and, and I, I often refer to it in my videos as, you know, the political Hollywood. It, it did, it felt, it felt like the first time I was there, I was, in, I was on a movie set because you see all these huge names and faces just walking around and, you know, literally you, you might've seen one video I was shoulder to shoulder with uh the head of the WHO, like wh where else in the world could you could you do that except for Davos? Yeah, and um, yeah, that must be surreal, mustn't it? And um, you know, I'm just thinking about putting myself in that situation and what I'd have to hold myself back from saying. <laughs> that must be quite difficult, given you know some of the things that we know these guys are up to. Um, now, um, Callum. The um, the theme of this year's Davos was rebuilding trust. Have they done a good job? <laughs> Does that tell you enough? No. <laughs> um, no, absolutely not. And you know, I uh, I made a little bit of a YouTube short yesterday that I uh, I put on my Twitter. It was just a little uh, put together of the things I asked uh, Ted Ross. Uh, and at the end, when I signed off that video, I, I talk about how. You know the theme, the slogan this year is rebuilding trust. Yeah, if if they want to start, you know, a good place to start doing that is when the general public have questions. Don't just put your head down and carry on walking. Bloody well, answer them. So no, I think I think they've uh, they've done themselves more harm than good. This this WEF, this annual WEF uh, event, and I think I and some other. Uh, independents and smaller media outlets like you know rebel news and true north um have shown the world that and what do you think they mean um by rebuilding trust um, and who do you think they're talking to for me um i'm assuming what they mean by building trust is 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 um censoring all of us um so that the general wider public um can't hear about all the things that we're highlighting on what's your what's your sense of what they mean by building rebuilding trust well i think it's one of those things if you have to say that out loud to me that says you have obliterated all trust and should hold no position of power whatsoever i think it's almost like a um, bit of an orwellian double speak by having the slogan rebuilding trust it, it, to me that says yeah we uh we understand we've ruined your lives we have made life for the normal everyday person hell for the past few years. Um, but, you know, give us another go, give us another chance and um, we'll do better next time. And by better next time, they probably mean do more harm. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And like I said, I think, you know, the UN is he heavily involved in now talks around censorship online and whatever. So my assumption, what they mean by that is um, that is what they're going to do, because it does seem a bit counterproductive doesn't it like you said sort of announcing everyone that they've got to rebuild trust because it's like to people who don't follow this closely it's like okay 
So nobody trusts you then. <laughs> it does beg the question, why don't they trust you in the first place? Um, now, Callum, there's been a lot of talk over the last year about Klaus Schwab, about him potentially standing down. Tony Blair, I see, was um, out in Davos. Are there any, any rumours that you've heard about whether Tony Blair is still um, you know, going to be put forward as the new leader, whether Klaus Schwab is just going to carry on? Um, what have you heard from this week? Well, I mean, I've not heard much in terms of this week, but I've had I've had people ask my opinion. Um, I've been saying since last year, my, my money is on Tony Blair, Tony Blair being the next head of the WWF. You know, I even I even said to him last year when I managed to doorstep him in the streets, I said, you know, why are you here? You're you're no longer elected in your own country, um, yet you're here, you know, making decisions that are passed down to our country. You know, are you going to be the next? The next WF leader, um, and you know he was there again this year. I actually bumped into Sherry, um, and uh, I saw Sherry. And, and do you know what? Credit, credit to her, she was quite pleasant. Uh, I've said to you, know, I was like, "Oh, is, is Tony here?" And you know, I, most like, like I said, I call myself an unconventional journalist because I don't really follow the rules of, you know, that oh, this is the correct way to speak and blah blah. At the end of the day, I'm a normal everyday person. So I was a. Uh, it wasn't oh, is Mr. Blair or the former prime minister? It was Sherry. Where's Tony? <laughs> and uh, he, he, she said he, he was he was around all week. And I didn't. I then saw a video from ITV that they managed to speak to him. But um, I have a feeling he was maybe maybe hiding from me this year after our little encounter last year. Yeah. And do you think just before we move on, because we're going to talk about a video that you put out on X over the weekend about these Ukrainian politicians that are buying up all this expensive um properties in switzerland and elsewhere in the world but before we do that do you think it would be a good thing from our point of view if tony blair was put in charge of the wef obviously in the uk he's a very unpopular person i think there was a petition um i i, I think i recall it was over a million people signed it um to stop him getting a knighthood um what's your opinion though if tony blair do you think that's a good thing from our perspective Absolutely not. You know, whether you're a um, whether you are just a simple employee of the post office, a citizen of the Middle East or just a citizen of the UK or David Kelly, I think the worst person to have in your life is Tony. But that's Blair, my point. But that's has. my point, Callum, is in terms of PR. Do you think that from our perspective, actually, yeah, put him up there. Put a big crown on his head, you know, give him, put the spotlight on him because actually Tony Blair has got a lot of crimes. He is the perfect person to put up if we want to discredit and show what this organisation is really about. Yeah, it's a good, actually, that that is, I actually, that's a good point. Um, I The only reason I'd maybe disagree is that, you know, we've seen with Klaus Sharp that, that, that the videos have gone, they've gone viral. Most people in the world have seen them where he says that we've infiltrated every government and yet the WEF still stands. Um, but no, that do you know what? I've never I've never considered that. I think that's actually that is yeah. almost actually good. Hey, you're honest, <laughs> James. I like that. <laughs> and we should Get call it King Tony <laughs> King, <laughs> King Tony, I think we should um, refer him um as right. Okay, let's move on. Um, um, because we have got a serious, another serious story here. Um, you've put out a video on X. Um, it has um got an awful lot of coverage. Um, tell us what it's about. It's about these Ukrainian MPs, isn't it? Tell us all about it, Callum. 
Yeah, so I was um there was a couple of people in the street they're handing out Christian literature and uh, you know every time we passed them we'd have a bit of a chat with them so we got we got a bit a little bit of a report and then they started following uh, my videos and uh you know I was just walking down the street on the last day and he's banging on the window and he runs out he goes I've got something to show you it's about um Ukraine he goes he says I work in I work in real estate here in Switzerland I've been on the land registry and um and these politicians from Ukraine have bought these Swiss properties for this this price. And, you know, I, I said to him, I said, "Is this, you know, is this legitimate?" He was telling me that this is. You can almost like a freedom of information request here. You, you just have to basically put in the formal uh, applications, and, and you can find this stuff out. But yeah, he was showing me the the cost of of some of these houses between eight and eight and 10 million and and what what make it makes me inclined to because you know i put out there as well i said like don't take my word from this this is just someone has come up and told me this i, I put this out there so other people can look to do their own independent research because the main reason why i got into journalism i want to kind of almost inspire people to go and look into things themselves so he, yeah he showed me this and 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 then other people pointing out that oh, yes, Zelensky's got a home in in Florida, and yeah. and he's got this and such and such. So to me, it follows a trend. Um, when you do look up the paperwork, the spelling of the uh, one of the things I was questioning with my friend was the spelling of the names a bit different. So like um, one of them, D Dimitri, it's spelled D M I T R I on that, but his actual name is spelled slightly different. But apparently, there's different spellings for Zelensky. But the date of birth was the same as this guy, so it made, it made me think that oh, actually, this this could be whether this is one hundred percent legitimate or not. This is something that should be out there so people, the people of the of the world, of the world can actually look into this themselves. But yeah, I'm surprised yeah, exactly. how, how quickly that went widespread. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're absolutely right. It is the sign of a good journalist. Don't just listen to what one person says. Um, you know, in, in scientific methodology, you call it triangulation, wouldn't you? Where you actually look at lots of different sources. And there are other sources to suggest actually that this is going on. Um, we had the Panama Papers. Um, I think it was the Panama Papers, one of those um, papers anyway, that was leaked, where Zelensky, it was shown that him and his um, contacts were moving around tens of millions um, of dollars around buying lots of expensive properties. Um of course, if you go onto the um, Google and you and you put this in Google, um, it's always a, a red flag for me when the first page is all taken up of fact checkers saying that it's not true. Whenever that happens, means it means it definitely is true. <laughs> in my experience, in my experience <laughs> yes. of these things, and of course, no, I completely agree. You know, and yeah, and, and of course, because otherwise. Why would they bother themselves paying all of this money for these fact checkers to get busy and put out all of these stories? Um, you know, that doesn't make sense, does it? Um, we also also know about um, Zelensky's wife. Um, again, this is another um, a bit of misinformation, according to the fact checkers. But, you know, we did have somebody from a jewellery shop, I think, showing receipts from Zelensky's wife um, when he was in Paris, apparently spending tens of thousands of dollars. Um there's definitely some dodgy stuff going on there. He was a a, um, a pretty second-rate actor, wasn't he, before going into politics, and now presumably he's a multi-millionaire. Um, how does this happen? It's just like magic. It's just like the same with um, with uh, what's her face, um, Jacinda Ardern, and um, 
and what's his face in Canada? I can't remember his name now. But sadly, Callum, we have run out of time. But listen, thank you so much for coming on the Freeman Report. You're welcome anytime. And thank you from TNT Radio for all of your updates from Davos last week. Great journalistic work there, Callum. Right, to the thank rest you. of you, well- don't go anywhere. Stay put with us on TNT Radio. <laughs>